We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. right now we we just want to speak into hearts today we want to speak to your heart today we want to see a change in you because a change in you is going to change your spouse it's going to change your future spouse it's going to change your attitude it's going to change your outlook on life it's just going to change everything because as you change everything changes dear Jesus touch our hearts today Speak into our lives today, God. Speak truth, God. Speak life, speak health, speak peace, speak blessing, God. We just pray that, God, your word says it shall not return void. And, God, we just really believe that today, that it will accomplish everything that we send it forth to do today. And we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Shout amen. Amen. Come on, high-five someone around you and say, looking good today. Looking good. Not as good as me, but you're looking good. Come on, there you go. You tried, but you're not looking as good as me. What an awesome series this has been. Thanks, Josh. The Vow, an incredible, incredible series. And it hasn't finished yet because we are going to conclude it this morning. And I've really enjoyed the Wednesday nights too. We've had some breakout sessions on Wednesday. We had the conference, as I said, this weekend. We just had so many life-changing, life-aiding stuff taking place. And you'll be a fool not to listen to these things that we're teaching to you all. Because even if they don't apply to your life right now, trust me, they will at some time. And I'm going to say the S word in church. Are you ready? You would be stupid. Come on, I can't believe Pastor cursed in church. He said stupid in church. You would be stupid. Come on, we would be stupid not to listen to what we've been instructing you and telling you. Look at this scripture from Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It says, my people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. Not knowing the truth. I, I just believe, and again, we're not, we don't have it all together, and we've got shortcomings, and we're still working, and God's still changing us. But I just have to believe, if you are a regular attender in this church, I don't believe that scripture has reference to you. Because I don't believe you can say you're destroyed because of the lack of knowledge. Because we give you the truth each and every week. But I think the scripture needs to perhaps maybe read like this in your life. You're not destroyed by the lack of knowledge, but you're destroyed of the lack of what? Application of the truth that you hear each and every week. And we need to apply the truth because it's when it's applied it will change our lives. You've got to open up the box. Come on, to eat the cereal. Come on, you got to go to the restaurant with the gift certificate to cash in a free meal. Don't just hold on to it. Don't just look at it. Come on, enjoy it. Be a part of it. And that's what God's Word wants to be in your life. Because I thought about knowledge. I thought about this. And here's what I've discovered in life. Are you ready? Knowledge is the what. Understanding is the wow. But guess what? Or the why, rather. 
but wisdom is the how. Let me say that again. Knowledge is the what. Understanding is the why. Why does it happen? But wisdom is the how. And I believe wisdom is the application. It's godly application for each one of our lives. And it's the how that our lives, it's the knowledge and the understanding, but putting them to work in each one of our lives. And we're thankful for that. And we want you to do that. So let's recap really quickly where we've been this month. We started off at BTP. We started off at being the person, that God wants you to be the person in your marriage. We discovered that order matters. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. God has to be first, and then everything else comes after that. In fact, the order is very specific. It's not just God and then everything. It's God, then your spouse, then your children, and then everything else that comes after that. We talked about, are you having fun in your marriage? Come on, if the grass is green somewhere else. What have you got to do? Turn the sprinkler on. Come on, sprinkle. Water your own yard. Water your own lawn. Because if you don't like where you're at, that's where we were last week. If you don't like the product, what do you need to do? You need to change the pattern as we looked at having purity in our lives that even a small amount of poison is too much. And now today we're going to be talking about never giving up. Never giving up. I believe one of the best abilities that we can possess in every one of our lives is stickability. Come on, say that with me, stickability. Just sticking it out, just hanging in there, not quitting, not giving up. And the title of our message today is this, Where's the I? Where is the I. And I want to read a story, if I could, from this book, a phenomenal book. We've taken a lot of the material from this series from this. It's from this day forward from Craig and Amy Groeschel. And he says this story. Are you ready? It says, years ago, I officiated a wedding for a close friends of ours. And as Scott and Shannon stood before me as the glowing couple with their friends and family around, I talked in detail about their relationship. Scott had honored Shannon and protected her purity. Shannon had honored Scott by faithfully praying for him and encouraging him in his faith. They were actually two of our closest friends. And I was so excited to be able to celebrate the commitment that they were making before God and each other and all their guests on this very special day. But midway through the ceremony, I glanced down at my carefully prepared notes and momentarily panicked. Reading ahead through the words, I saw a glaring typo. Without realizing until that moment, I had accidentally written the two would be untied. Untied. Of course, I intended to write the two would be united. Thankfully, I had the presence of mind not to read it as it was written, but corrected this important detail on the fly. I probably hesitated for a moment as I made the adjustment, but I was glad I didn't blurt out what I had mistakenly written. Not just because I didn't want to make a goof in front of our friends, but because I would have blurted out the opposite of what I had intended to communicate. After the ceremony, I showed my wife Amy the mistake on my notes, and we both noticed that only one letter was out of place. When the I was in the proper place, the word said, united. But when the I was in the wrong place, it read, untied. Where's the I? 
Where are you in your relationship? Where are you? Because it's either untied or it's united. Where are you? Because where you're at is either going to make it or it's either going to break it. You see, if I'm in a place in my life where I'm fully surrendered to God and making Him my number one, then I can truly love my number two with unconditional love. If God is not my number one, if I am not in the right place, I cannot truly give them the love that they truly need and they truly deserve. Why? Because I need to first receive love before I can give love. I've got to receive the love of God in order to be able to give pure love. So today, are you securing your marriage? Is your eye in the right place or are you separating it? Because it's one or the other. It's not in between. Well, I'm kind of doing a little bit of this and that. It's either or. You're either untying it or you're uniting it. You're either building it or you are destroying it. And this week is what we're discussing is so important because everything else we've discussed, oh, they're very important. But you know what this week does? This week keeps all those other things that we discussed together. I want to show you something today. I'm going to use an illustration to help me with this. We've got two pieces of paper here, a bluish one and a red one, symbolic of a, a man and a wife. And we're going to do something just as we start the message, and we're going to come back a little bit later. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to join these two pieces of paper together. Because that's the image, that's the picture of what happens when the two of us become one in marriage. That we're two individuals and two separate people, but we become joined together. That God sees us joined together. We're going to just leave that. We're just going to come back to that a little bit later, okay? So just remember that, that now we are joined together. I read this this week, and I think this is pretty powerful. Look at this. Never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat. In our marriages, in our lives, there are going to be moments of defeat. There are going to be moments of weaknesses. There are going to be moments of times. But we've got to watch that those single times do not become final times. That we realize that we can push through those. And I've really enjoyed, as I've read through this book, just so many truths that Craig and Amy have shared. And one of the things he talks about, he says, you know, really the secret to a good marriage, he says, is really easy. We like easy. Come on, every one of us. Anyone like easy? But the problem is we take easy and we complicate it. Easy is easy. And he says the the simple, the secret to it is really easy and we've got to keep it easy. And here's what he says. He says, we decided that our marriage will be as good as we decide it will be. Think about that. We came to a decision at one time when we first got married that our marriage, we're going to decide that our marriage is going to be as good as we are going to decide it's going to be. Notice we and we, that we are going to make a decision together and we are going to keep upholding that decision to make it what it needs to be. Harvard did a study, pretty encouraging and pretty amazing facts and results that you see from a study that they confirmed and that they ran in regards to family. We know the stats. What are the stats? That one in two marriages 
50% of marriages are failing today. What did we say? We don't like those odds, so we're changing our behavior. But look, Harvard did a study, and they discovered that there were three key elements when added to a marriage would change the odds from 1 in 2 to 1 in 1,256. Come on, that lessens the odds to way under 1%. Come on, 50% or 1%, what do you want? Come on, I want to be under the 1%. And this is Harvard, a secular institution that said that these results, they proved that these things were true. Are you ready for the three things? Here they are. Number one, a family that prays together. A husband and wife that prays together. Now, it may be awkward for you to pray with your spouse. We don't necessarily mean that you have to join hands in a circle, sing Kumbaya, my Lord, and pray. But, you know, throughout the day, maybe it's sending a text. I know you're going into a meeting. I'm praying for you today. Come on, you're my man. I love you. I'm praying that God would just help you today. Come on, sweetheart. I know you're at home with the kids. You need the strength today. I'm I'm praying for you and I'm just touching you. But praying together in some shape or form, coming together and praying together. Look at the second one, discussing the Bible together. Doesn't mean we have to read the Bible together and go through, but just discussing. Get alone with God. I think every one of us needs to have our private time where we're reading the Word of God daily in our lives. There's a reason why the Bible's called the bread of life. You need bread to live, and spiritually, we need the Word of God to help us and sustain us in life. And they say that if you discuss the Bible together, what does that mean? As we read it, we talk about it. You know what? I read a verse. We do this quite a lot in our home, just even around the dinner table or just wherever we're at. You know, something came up or whatever, and we just discuss things, and we talk about things with our kids, and we just open up the Word of God. They say it's really important. And look at the third one, attend church together. Now, there should be an asterisk beside that because it also said regular attendance. Regular attendance is not once a month. Regular attendance isn't three times a year. Come on, it's not a Easter and Christmas. Come on, I'm a regular attender. Regular attendance means regular attendance. Every week being in the house, being faithful to the house. But listen to me, Harvard concluded that these three parts, that having these in any marriage would take the odds from one in two to one in 1,256, lessening it under 1% chance of being divorced. Don't tell me it doesn't work. Come on, I said, don't tell me God's word doesn't work. Don't tell me it's not important to pray and read God's word. Don't tell me it's not important for your future and for your marriage to be in the house together because it works. But here, you've got to make a decision to do that. You've got to make a decision every day. We're going to pray. You've got to make a decision every day. I'm going to read the Word. You've got to make a decision that we're going to what? Read our Bibles. We're going to come to church. We're going to do that. But it's a decision that has to be more than just a moment's decision. It's a commitment that you've got to make. You will never stumble or fall into success. I read this about T.D. Jakes. He said, if you want to succeed in life and you want to enjoy the blessings of God, you must intend to succeed. It will not just happen by accident. You've got to intend. You've got to be intentional with the decisions that you are making. Why? Because if your decisions or your life are led by feelings, feelings change. Feelings change. And guess what will happen? 
If it's only based on feelings, when they say something wrong and they say something you don't like, when their disappointments come and when all those things, and even when one may drop out, guess what happens? From time to time, that's going to happen. But if it's just on feelings, you're not going to live out that decision. You've got to make a decision and you've got to keep working on that decision and keep trusting God. And let's be real. Even at its best, it can be tough at times. It can be tough at times, but it gets a whole lot tougher when you sometimes may even have to carry the weight on your own. Sometimes people are alone carrying it. My husband's given up. My wife's given up. They've checked out. What, What do I do, Pastor Philip? You can't stop. Because what is the title of the message? Where's the I? Not where are they? Where am I? Where's my life? What am I doing? Because you've got to remind yourself of this, even though it doesn't feel like it at times, you've got to remind yourself that we're in a relationship together. Even when it doesn't feel like it, we're married. And God has already made you one. Come on, we've taken that vow and we've made that commitment. And it doesn't matter how it feels, once God has made you one, you cannot be undone. So if you're the only one right now that's fighting for your marriage, you're fighting for two. But guess what? Stay committed. Dig in. Do not give up. And for all you singles out there, come on, where's all the singles? Come on, show me all the singles in the house. There you are. Come on, keep those hands up. There you go. Take a look around. See, here's anyone you like. Only play and put them down. I heard one preacher say, just promise me this, when you find your wife through that help today or that husband and you eventually have kids, just name them their middle name, Philip or Kelly. There you go. And we'll be thankful. But come on, for all you singles out there, you may be not there yet. We understand that. But you need to know how to respond when you are there because you're going to be there. You're going to be fighting for your marriage. You're going to be digging in. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to feel hard done by. We're all going to be there at one time or another, because the honeymoon period is going to wear off. But we need to know what to do when that happens. And we've said it many times through this series, a whole lot better to know beforehand than try to discover when it's maybe too late. So listen, so listen. So what do we do? I want to give you six key truths today. You ready? Six key truths that I think are going to really help to give you that stickability and that strength that you need to help to make that decision Really an easy decision that we complicate, but a decision that we're going to stay in this, that we're going to make it work. And we're not just going to make it work, we're going to see it work. Meaning what? We're going to be happy. It's not just going to be till death do us part, it's going to be to love and to cherish. That we're going to enjoy each other, we're going to embrace each other, we're going to love life. Are you ready? Point number one, you've got to watch your words. You've got to watch your words. You've got to watch your conversation, who you're talking to, but I'm going to say something else. You've got to watch who's talking back to you too. You've got to watch the voices you're talking to and the voices that are talking into your life. Proverbs 18:21 says these words, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Come on, they're in the power of my tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, those who either love the death or the life that they're speaking, that's going to be what you're going to eat. That's what you're going to partake of in your life. Notice which one is the first. 
Notice it doesn't say life and death. I mean, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But it says death and life. Why? Because we are a lot more prone to say the bad things before we are the good things. If we were to sit down and talk about your spouse right now, you could probably come up with a massive list of the problems that you have. But if you were to sit down and say, what do you like? You would have to kind of scratch your head and say, can you give me a moment? I need to think about that. So for every five negativities, we could maybe find that which is positive. Watch, because our first point of attack many times is in the death aspect. To find ourselves in the death column. The Bible says that we've got to watch the death and life because the power of our lives. Come on, I really believe this. We frame the worlds with the words we use. Come on, we frame our world. With the words we use. How are you speaking? Have you checked your thoughts? Here's something that we heard and we've applied it in our life. And that is sometimes we can say such negative things. And there's a little tagline that I want you to use. Are you ready? Every one of you you can annoy each other, but it's going to be a good thing. I want you to start adding this tagline. When you say, man, I'm so depressed. I want you to say this. And that's just the way I want it. Come on, I mean, you may say no, but that's what you're saying. Come on, I am so sick of this marriage and I want out and that's the way I want it. You've got to realize that. Come on, I want you to start realizing that today. You may say, well, that's not the way I like it. Well, quit speaking death. Come on, if you can't tag what you're saying with that's what I like and that's the way I want it, then you need to change because if you don't like the product... Start changing the pattern. Come on. And that's the way I want it. I mean, write that down. Note that. Come on. Kelly told that to Luke. And you know what? It worked great till Luke started using it back. And Luke said to her mom, and she said, man, Luke, you're this and all something. And he goes, and that's the way you... No, no, that's not the way I like it, Luke. You've got to catch yourself with that. But I'm telling you, use that. Apply it. It's going to change your life. You've got to watch your words. Are you ready? Number two, you've got to be willing to forgive. You've got to be willing to forgive. When our spouse has perhaps done something that we can say warrants grounds for divorce, you've also got to realize this, that what they have done that warrants grounds for divorce can also be grounds for forgiveness. Gone quiet on me there. That you can forgive that thing. Colossians 3.13 says, If ever anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, you also must do. New Living Translation says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. If you and I want to have the marriage that God wants us to have, you will have to do your share of forgiveness. Amen. Come on, you've got to be willing to forgive. Oh, there's no way I can. There's no way I will, you may say. And that's why it is vitally important that you have a number one relationship with God. Because if you have no relationship with God, you probably will be unable to forgive. But when you have a relationship with God, you'll be able to draw from the strength that the Word of God says in Luke 18 verse 27, which God says, what may be impossible with men, come on, is fully possible with God. Come on, don't write off what's impossible and what you think may not be recoverable. 
But everything is fully possible with God. Look at this statement. You are never more like God than when you forgive. Isn't that powerful? You are never more like God. You want to be the image of Christ, you forgive. Because the image of Christ was a cross. What? Where he gave everything. Did we deserve it? No. Does our spouse deserve it? No. Do we deserve it? No. But what did he still do? He willingly and freely gave. I can't change my spouse. I cannot change another person. But I can sure do everything I can to refuse to give up. And I can choose to forgive. I can choose to hold on. I could choose to make sure that my I, that I'm in the right place. Point number three. Embrace your differences. Embrace your differences. Matthew 9 verse 4 It says this, have you not read that he who made them, handcrafted them, not by fault, but by perfect design. Talking of God, God doesn't make no mistakes. Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, he made them male and female. How many of those, that's a big difference? A massive difference. You think differently, you see differently, you speak differently, you hear. I mean, it is a completely different thing. And if that's not bad enough, then throw in all our quirks, our habits, our mannerisms, throw in us, and there is a massive gulf of differences between us. But remember this, we're not wrong. We're just different. And God made us that. But remember what attracted us to each other. What do they say attracts you? Opposites Attract. So the fact that you are different is that which probably attracted you together. In most couples, if you would look, there's usually a spender and there's usually a saver. Come on, in most relationships, there's usually that, that person who's punctual and that person who is unpunctual. Come on, we joke with a couple in our church. Um, she, she ain't very punctual. Come on. She managed to show up to the marriage conference on time. And I said, I was about to text you and tell you it started at 5.30 instead of 6.30. And her husband nudged me and says, don't worry. That's what I told her. Come on now. Come on. But usually there's a difference. Those who are punctual and those. Come on, there's, there's usually the one that's kind of the give over with the kids. And then there's the Hitler in the family, you know, the, 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 the one. And then there's usually the, the mean one. And then there's the kind, there's differences that we have in our relationships. But guess what? Those differences attracted us together. I read this this week, that we're two halves, but we make the same whole. Come on, we may be two halves. But together we make the same whole. And I like that. But here's the problem. Are you ready? We've got to embrace our differences because what used to attract us now can attack us. Opposites attract. But if we don't watch, opposites can attack. And we've got to really watch for this. And we've got to remember to accept each other for who they are not what we want them to be. If you would just do this, then you would be perfect. No, I would be like you and you're not perfect. Come on now. (laughs) Come on. If you would just change your attitude. Here's the problem that most of the time when people come in my office, if my spouse, if they would just change, everything would be well. 
You see, they want them to change. And they, but they knew those things about them when they first dated them. But here's their thought. Oh, I'll change them. You've got to embrace those differences because I truly believe differences can be a great strength. Singles, listen to me. We talked about this Wednesday night. We went through 10 warning signs, red flags of things. If you're not seeing it, come on, it's probably not going to be there. If it's not there while you're dating, it's not going to be there when you're married. And if it is there when you're dating, it's going to be there with all its cousins and relatives and family when you're married. So if you don't like it now, you're never, definitely not going to like it when they all move in. Come on. So you've got to look at these things and realize these things. What does the Bible say? The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, that iron sharpeneth iron. How does iron sharpen itself? Does it sharpen by hitting against itself? No. What do you do if you hit against something? You would deaden the blade. But what happens is, yes, you rub up against something else. Come on, our differences can be a sandpaper that together we can work and we can see God use us together and we can see God change our lives. Come on, differences don't have to cause continued conflict because they're not wrong. We're just different. But it's important that each one of us be who God made us to be. And God made us to be unselfish. So if you want to say, this is who I am, like it or leave it, that's not the attitude of God. That's not what God wants you to be. There's got to be give and take. I understand that, but it can't be all give and it cannot be all take. You've got to embrace your differences. Are you with me today? Point number four, you ready? You've got to understand the difference between contract and covenant. Do you want a contract marriage or do you want a covenant marriage? Really, it doesn't matter what we want. What does God intend for marriage to be? That's what we need to discuss. What did God intend? Marriage to be a contract or did God intend for marriage to be a covenant? Remember the papers that we had over here that we glued together? Two separate individuals that are now overlapped to make one. Because what God has joined together, let no man separate. We are one together. Now, if we were to overlap each other, guess what the problem would be? It would either be all of one or it would be all of the other. But together we're complement. And to see that there's equal amounts of both of us in this relationship, that one doesn't give up their rights, they don't surrender who they are, but our personalities and who we are doesn't change. We now live as one. We live in harmony. We bring that together and we embrace that together. But I want to show you today about how painful divorce can be. Because divorce is like tearing these two pieces of paper apart. That no matter how hard I try, and how carefully I try to rip these both pieces apart, guess what happens? Those two can never be as they originally were. Why? Because divorce is messy. Divorce is destructive, it's hurtful, and it's harmful. Andy Stanley said this, and I think this is a great statement that we should really remember, and that is this, you cannot unone what God has made one. It's impossible to do that. And, and the scripture that backs up this is from Matthew 19, verse 6 from the Message Bible. It says, because God created this organic union of the two sexes, no one should desecrate his 
art. What is his art of taking us and joining us together? It said no one should desecrate his art. By what? Cutting them, tearing them, ripping them apart. And that's why it's so important that we know what marriage really is. Because if we don't get it right from the start, we're going to be left with the pieces that we don't like. And most times people are left with the pieces because they don't fully understand the commitment, what marriage is all about. Marriage, by the way, is a covenant, not a contract. And let me show you the difference. Are you ready? A contract is a mutual agreement between two individual parties. For example, if you're renting a house or you're buying a house, you sign a contract. And what does the contract state? The contract states that you have to pay X amount per month and that if you pay that amount per month, you can stay in that house as long as the contract specifies. But the contract is also double-edged, isn't it? Because you sign to pay that amount as long as they maintain the property, as long as they keep it in work and order, as long as they fix it and make it presentable and living for you. But what happens in a contract? As soon as one doesn't hold up to their end of the contract, the other is freed of all obligation. If you don't pay, guess what? They can kick you out and legally they can do that. If you don't maintain it and the roof's leaking and and stuff is getting ruined and, and you signed an agreement and you were going to take care of that and they're still faithfully paying, if you do that, come on, they can get out of the contract And what was once an obligating factor is now null and void because it has been broken. So let's sum up a contract like this. A contract is basically, I'm in as far as you are. I'll commit for what's fair with me and you commit to what's fair with you. Can you see the problem with that? Can you see why marriage is not a contract? May I say that again? Marriage is not a contract contract. But unfortunately, that describes, that represents, that's a picture, an image of most marriages today. Why? Because as long as you make me happy, as long as you keep meeting my needs, as long as nothing else better comes along, we're good. But, come on, God wants to kick some butt. Amen. God wants to take care of that. There shouldn't be a but. It should be a period. It should be the end. But why? A contract is not what God intends. God wants our marriage to be a covenant. And here's the difference. A covenant is literally means this, a permanent relationship. It's a permanent thing. In fact, it's shown by God. The Bible says that he's a covenant-keeping God. What does that mean? He doesn't will that any should perish, but all have life. He hasn't written any of you off. Everyone has the opportunity. Why he hasn't withdrawn what he said? It's not you do your part. He is faithfully doing his part, whether we're doing ours or not. Now, we have to accept, but he's not going to withdraw his side of the bargain. He's a covenant-keeping God. And the word covenant in Hebrew is berith, it's B-E-R-I-Y-T-H. And the word literally means this, to cut asunder or to cut in two. In Old Testament times, when people would make a covenant with each other, they would take a bull, they would take a cow, they would literally cut it in two, they would lay one side on one part and the other side, and then they would walk in between that which was cut in two seven times backwards and forwards, seven times the number of God, the number of perfection. 
And by walking in between that, they would say these words, if I break this covenant, let me be done, or let be done to me that which was done to this bull. Let me be destroyed. Let me be cut asunder. That's how serious the covenant was. And when they would marry in those days, the priest would take a knife and he would cut the hand of the woman. He would cut the hand of the man. He would join their hands together, now bleeding, that their blood would flow into each other. Why? Because a covenant could not be sealed unless there was shedding of blood. Come on. He made a covenant from us as he died upon a cross for each one of us. Then what the priest would do is he would take a cord and he would wrap it around their hands. Symbolic of the fact that nothing was to separate that which God had joined together. A covenant could only be broken if one of the parties died. That's the relationship. That's what our marriage needs to be sealed as a covenant, not a commitment. Oh, but Pastor Philip, they're not doing their part. Where's the where's the eye? Where's the eye? Number five, you still with me today? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, Where's the eye? Number five, gotta move on quickly. You ready? Number five, don't run out of gas. Don't run out of gas. Well, Pastor Philip, I'm not happy. I don't trust him any longer. They've changed. They're not the same person they used to be. I just don't love them anymore. We hear those all the time, but not one of those things are a reason for divorce or termination to destroy and rip a marriage apart. They're just the fact that you've run out of gas. You just run out of gas. And if those things are happening in your marriage, you need to turn on the sprinkler. You need to start watering your yard. How many of you would get rid of your car because it runs out of gas? I want a new car. Why? Because it ran out of gas. I can't believe my car ran out of gas. That's why it's got a gauge there, you know. It's got an empty sign. It's got a full sign and a half sign. even got a light that will tell you. Come on now. But you would be a fool to dump your car and get rid of it because you run out of gas. What would you do if you're getting low? What do you do? You pull in and you fill up solving the problem. No more problem. And the same can be true for your marriage. You don't end a marriage because things ain't going well. Come on, you don't end a marriage because he said something harsh to you. Wrong. Granted, it's wrong. But you don't end a marriage because of that. You don't end a marriage because you've fallen out of love. Come on, you have made a decision. Come on, you have made a decision. And you need to nurture that decision each and every day by making the right choices to back up that decision. You need to fill up the love tank. You know, every one of us has got a love tank inside of us. You need to start filling up that love tank. Come on, we went through the five love languages. If you haven't gone through that, it's an incredible study because... Dr. Gary Chapman talks about the five different love languages, that which is our language of love. And every one of us has a different one. It's maybe words of affirmation. You like to have an attaboy. Come on, you're doing good. Maybe it's quality time. You just want time alone with someone. Maybe it's gifts. Maybe you're shallow. We always laugh at this. Maybe you're just shallow and you can be bought off real cheap. Come on, there you go. But maybe it's acts of service. This is mine. This is Kelly's. Acts of service, doing to each other and, and helping each other. Come on. 
If I want to get in Kelly's good book, come on, all I have to do is stand at the sink for five minutes. Don't even always have to do stuff. Just look like I'm doing stuff and I'm doing a good job right there. Come on, it's just doing those things, acts of service, just taking those times. And the last one is physical touch. But you need to know the love language of each other because as you give them what you want, you see your love language may be flowers or gifts. I like gifts. I like getting stuff. So when you buy them a gift or something, they'll just kind of look at you and say, thanks. You can get offended by that. Have you ever been offended by that? I mean, thanks, that's it. I mean, I bought you something special. But you know why? That's the case because you're speaking a different language to them. Because that's not what they need to fill their love tank. They need something else. Maybe it's that quality time where you come home from work early and you turn the cell phones off and you have a date night and you need to be doing those anyway. And you're just getting away and you're spending time with each other. Because I'm going to tell you right now, very seldom ever are couples having the same love language. One couple said to me, you know what, my my love language is touch. Theirs is quality time. My God, I got the raw end of the deal because he can just touch me and stroke me a little bit and I'm feeling good. But I've got to take hours out to make him feel good. But you're making an investment for a future. You're filling the love tank for what reason? So you will never run out of gas. If you want to unlock their heart, you meet their deepest need. You meet their deepest need. And last but not least, are you ready? You've got to sow the right seeds. It can be hard. Let's just be honest right now. It can be hard to keep going when you feel like there's nothing left. It can be hard to keep going when you feel like you've given so much more than the other and you feel bankrupt and you feel empty and you're like beginning to feel selfish and you're beginning to feel sorry for yourself. And you've got to watch those feelings. And that's why it's so important. Here we go again. Are you ready? That's why it's so important that order matters. Because this is when seeking God first really pays off. Because when you start feeling like that, the Bible says in your weakness, God will be your strength. Come on. You've you got to connect to a source that's greater than you. You've got to connect to a hope that's greater than your hope. Come on. You've got to give God the opportunity to do in you and through you many times what you don't have the strength to do in yourself. But there's some things that we've learned through the years, and that is this. Are you ready? If there's no seed in the ground, there can be no harvest. And the seeds that we put in our ground, you know, they grow a seed according to its kind. So if we're going to sow the wrong seeds, we're going to reap the wrong harvest. And we cannot be surprised or disappointed because a seed produces after its own kind. Galatians 6, 7, and 9 says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap what? I like that, don't you? I like that. Don't like the corruption. I'll take the everlasting life. Thank you. And let us not grow weary. Here it is. While doing good. Don't grow weary while sowing the right seeds. But I'm not seeing the harvest, Pastor Philip. Keep sowing because if there's no seed in the ground, there will be no harvest. You keep sowing, you keep sowing, you keep speaking, you keep pronouncing life. Don't speak death because that's not the way I want it. Because it says, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we don't quit. If we don't give up, what is the promise? We're going to reap. We're going to receive. So I wonder today, where's my eye? Am I untied or am I united? Stephen Furtick said this, a great statement, and I used this a few weeks ago. He says, I have no right to be disappointed about the fruit that wasn't born from the seed that I did not sow. 
It's good, that is. I mean, that's really powerful. I can't believe they're not speaking to me nice. Are you speaking to them nice? Well, they don't deserve it. You are reaping the seeds that you are sowing. Come on, you don't put out fire with fire. You put out fire with water. And you sow the right seeds because really there's no excuse. What are you talking about, Pastor Philip? Uh, I'm, I'm tired of this. He's this and he's that. Well, you keep sowing the right seeds. You keep sowing what you want your marriage to be. You keep sowing what you believe it needs to be. Don't quit. You keep doing it. Regardless of how you feel, you must do what's right. Come on, I think if you don't get anything else from this message today, that's a good point to go home from. Regardless of how I feel, I've got to do what's right. And if you want to know what's right, come on, what God has joined together, let no man separate or put apart. You want to know what's right? It's sticking it out and sowing the right seeds, not being miserable for the rest of your life, but sowing the seeds that's going to produce the great harvest for your life. Because if you start sowing love and forgiveness, if you start sowing grace and honor and respect back into your marriage and you don't give up, you're going to eventually reap that same harvest in return. But if you don't do that, you're not going to like the harvest that you're going to receive. But Pastor Philip, I'm really tired. It's always me that seems to have to be the bigger one. It's always me that has to overlook. It's always me that has to forgive. It's always me that has to give the grace. It's always me that's left dealing with it. What do you say to me, Pastor Philip? I say this, keep your eye in the right place because you're in a covenant, not a contract. You're in a covenant and that's the vow and that's the commitment that you've made. And what is our vow? We're not going to be a statistic. We're not going to be what the world says is the result of our marriage. We're not going to be 50-50 odds. We're going to change the odds by changing our behavior. Maybe today you have been selfish. Maybe today you have been wrong. Maybe you've done things, said things that you're not proud of. Maybe you wish you could take those things back, those actions back, and you could change those things. But what now? What now? Is there any hope, Pastor Philip? Yes, there is. How? Let God transform you. Let God change you into the man with the heart of God. Let God change you to be the woman of God that God wants you to be. You repent and you ask God to forgive you because remember the order, him first, then your spouse, then your kids. And it starts now. It starts today. You've got to decide. What? I've got to decide to watch my words. Come on, I've got to decide to forgive. I've got to decide to embrace the differences. I've got to decide to build a covenant, not a contract. I've got to decide to fill up the tank. I've got to decide to sow the right seeds. Because if I decide right, I'm going to live right. And I'm going to be happy together. Would you stand to your feet with us today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.
won't 